Hello again, and welcome to I've Got a Beatles podcast. And uh, that, I'm just like very mellow right now after hearing that beautiful version of You Never Give Me Your Money played by Hamilton de Holanda. Yeah. Uh, yes, who will help set up our first episode in a new occasional series, which we're going to call Songs Under the Microscope. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting. Uh, you know, of course, we've been doing album reviews uh, for you for various albums. Now we're going to do uh, song reviews, very in-depth kind of like look at uh, particular songs. We may never ever get to say something like "boys," <laughs> but um, so we're going to. So ah, what key was I? Uh, but. But we're going to do a little bit more of a, a, a analysis. Uh, uh, I know there's been a, occasionally a request for Dave here, who's a, a professor of music and knows knows his uh, he's accused <laughs> about. I mean, knows a lot about music uh, to d- do a little bit of a more uh, in depth analysis of the musical side of things. So we're going to do that. We're going to look at the lyrics and what the song meanings may or may not be. Mm-hmm. They're always up for a little interpretation. So, we have several. So yeah. we have a few theories on some of the uh, song lyric uh, meanings. And we'll just tell you some general things about the songs and play you some of the uh, crazy... Um, <laughs> I, I found a pretty crazy uh, uh, cover version. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a beautiful cover version we just yeah. heard. Uh, and we'll play a couple more cover versions of it. Towards the end of the episode. Sounds good. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, the reason we chose You Never Give Me Your Money for the first one is because uh, we're still in Kansas City here recording together, and we had a sing-along the other night around the piano and the guitar and uh, decided to do a lot of the Abbey Road medley. And this song, of course, the first one on it, and uh, it just we sort of stopped and both had this moment of this epiphany, like, what a great song. We yeah. need to talk about this in more detail. So. Yeah. That's Plus, we chuckled through any job or got the sack. Yes, which the lyrics, is of course, are always, uh, always fun to see. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, so uh, we'll give you a little info on the song first and then dig into the musical aspects. So, uh, You Never Give, your, give Me Your Money, of course, is on Abbey Road. It's, it was originally on the second side of Abbey Road. Uh, it was recorded May 6th, 1969, at Olympic Sound Studios with overdubbing added in July and August. Uh, They recorded about 30 takes of it, and actually a little bit over that, and uh, for some reason, take 30 was the one they picked and chose that one to keep overdubbing. Uh, The instrumentation of the song has Paul, which this is a a 100% McCartney song, uh, Paul playing bass, piano, lead, and backing vocals. John's on lead guitar and backing vocals. George on rhythm guitar, and Ringo, of course, on drums and tambourine. So that's pretty much the instrumentation. Uh, there's a good quote here from George. This is in the book Beatles Songs. Uh, George said, It does two verses of one tune, and then the bridge is almost like a different song altogether, so it's quite melodic. And that, I think that's a really good description of this particular song. Yeah, that that could be a disaster. It could be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a certain uh, Paul McCartney songs that maybe we even uh, between me and Dave listened to today that uh, like <laughs> sounded like two different songs, and we're like, "What's going on?" It didn't work. <laughs> it yeah. didn't work. So, exactly. but in here, it like really definitely works. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I want to say a few things about the music here. Uh, yeah, as Chris said, I, if, you, if you're new, fairly new to the show, I am a, a music theory professor. And, uh, of course, look mainly at the analytical side of music. And it's usually very technical, so I'll try not to be too technical, but I will have to use some terminology here. Uh, but the, a couple things stand out about this song in particular. Uh, the first thing is that it is based on something we call a sequence, and something we call a, at least the first part of it, is a, called a descending second sequence or circle of fifths sequence. And before I lose you here, uh, another song that does the same progression or same type of sound is I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> yeah, everybody. <laughs> Everyone knows that we one. We haven't talked about that on the uh, No, we haven't gotten yet? to that one yet. Oh, okay. No, but it's basically <laughs> taking the same chords and uh, going around what we call the circle of fifths. And this is a technique that you find throughout the Abbey Road medley, and it'll come back in Golden Slumbers and carry that weight in almost exactly the same way. So it's a way to unify the piece. So that, that's how it starts out. Also something very interesting to me is the, the fact that it, the piano, it starts out on piano, and Paul, of course, was a, is a very good pianist. Uh, it starts out on piano and then changes character completely by the third section of the song, and the piano drops out entirely. So uh, what George was saying, it's two verses of one tune, and then the bridge is a different song altogether almost. Is quite true, and I think uh, you would agree, probably Chris, uh, and a lot of people agree. If you write a song on piano, it's very different than writing a song on guitar. Uh, yeah, you tend to have less of the power chords and you know parallel fifths and kind of fat sounds. You have more melodies. It's more melodic, more what we call contrapuntal uh, on the piano. So that's a different aspect. Think of like Elton John or Billy Joel or. Yeah. People like that. They're usually either piano songs or guitar songs to yeah. mix the two. Or there's a piano song with a little guitar in the middle. or, or Right, know, right, exactly. Uh, 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 I'm thinking of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody being all over the place, but, mm -hmm. but you know, an orchestra, orchestral operatic <laughs> section. And yeah. That. So there are occasionally uh, things that break that rule. But. Different parts, right. So it, it very almost really is almost like a couple different songs. Uh, so the piano-based part uh, is what stands out as this very contrapuntal and uh, has the sequence in it. Another big thing, which is not an original thought by me, uh, many people have written about it and noticed, but the Beatles play most of the second side of Abbey Road, starting with something and uh, really going through the rest, through the end of the album. Uh, two keys play a lot of uh, importance here. So songs are in C major, but then they have these sections in A major. And the song Something, for example, starts in C, and then the bridge is in A major. This is the same story in, in You Never Give Me Your Money. The song starts in C major, but then when he gets to the final part, One Sweet Dream, Pick Up the Bags, Get in the Limousine, we're now in A which sets up the rest of the medley very well because there's a lot of back and forth between these two keys. They're not closely related, though they share common tone uh, between them. So it, it keeps it at least a little bit together and doesn't sound too wild. But uh, that's something you might, uh, if you're a guitar player or a pianist, you may think about that as you try to play through these tunes. Uh, so those are some of the, the musical aspects. 
Also, what stands out of the is the bass is really strong here, and Paul's melodic bass playing on his Rickenbacker at this time, or might be a jazz bass, I don't know exactly, uh, is is really prominent and very melodic, and it goes along with the tune. And then also the vocals. There's a lot of really beautiful three-part vocals with John, Paul, and George that stand out and it just fill out this chord progression and sound so well. If you have the time and inclination yeah. um, and some patience uh, and want to hear these different segments or diff different instruments of uh, any Beatles song, really, uh, but particularly, you never give me your money here. Um, a, a YouTube user called Camarillo Brillo, which we would know <laughs> from a Frank Zappa song, yeah. um, uh, it, it has done a thing called deconstructing the Beatles, and it plays the it plays the song over and over again. But the first uh, the first four minutes, you're just going to get the drums. The second four minutes, you get the um, uh, bass, and then the, the so, you know, and then you get uh, John's guitar part, and and so on and so on. And the thing that really stuck out to me was, first of all, the uh, boogie woogie piano, mm -hmm. uh, and, and just the whole piano section of, of this. It's all song. isolated. You can all really hear it. Isolated, and when you can hear it, it's just like, wow, this is really terrific. Yeah. And uh, yeah, those three part harmonies are just uh, uh, amazing. Which we heard earlier on the album and because, right? That's a yeah. big part, right? Just right before this. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, uh, thing that stood out to me was how grungy uh, John Lennon's guitar, mm. which is a little bit in the background of this, but then occasionally it'll pop up for a, a, a little bit of a solo. Yeah. Um, is it, it you really don't think of it as like him playing a really distorted guitar, but it, it is in this, mm -hmm. in this song for sure. Yeah, according to Walt Everett, uh, he, uh, McCartney is playing his Rickenbacker, George is playing a Telecaster, and John is playing his Epiphone Casino that he played for a lot of his uh, whole career after 1965-66, uh, so has that particular sound to it. So those are some of the main aspects that stand out to me, uh, particularly Paul's great sense of melody. Uh, it, it's just such a memorable tune. And part of it is because that sequence that I talked about, that circle of fifths, you can do a lot over that. Think of the tune Autumn Leaves. I mean, it just goes on and on. All the things you are, lots of jazz standards use that. And it just can do a lot of things. So Paul can have this effortless, beautiful melody over it. And in a lot of ways, it, it helps accentuate the text. So Chris, yeah. you want to tell us about your thoughts about the three parts with the text here? Well, what's the song about? You Never Give Me Your Money was, was uh, 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 and I want to read from a uh, Barry Miles book called Many Years From Now, where Paul McCartney is quoted saying, This was me directly lambasting Alan Klein's attitude to us. No money, just funny paper, all promises, <laughs> and it never works out. It's basically a song about no faith in the person that found its way into the melody on Abbey Road. John saw the humor in it. <laughs> That's good. Um, and of course, the uh, song is made up of different different uh, sections. The first section 
you know, it has that funny paper stuff. The and negotiations. The middle of negotiations you break down. It almost yeah. seems it, by that, but if we're looking at it through the lens of what Paul just said there, like exactly that. Yeah. I never give you my number. In the middle of investigation, I break down sort of like I'm, I'm fed up with this. I'm, yeah. I'm sick of this. Uh, and all of the Beatles talked about how they... Couldn't, there's a long uh, uh, interview somewhere with George Harrison where he's like, oh, we couldn't get any money, you know. Yeah, we had houses and cars and stuff, but you asked for actual money and you just wouldn't ever see it. Yeah. Well, and then it goes into this uh, other section, the sort of boogie-woogie piano section, sort of a fondly nostalgic look back at the Beatles' early days. That's one of the interpretations of it. Uh, the lyrics... Out of college, money spent, see no future, pay no rent, all the money's gone, nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. But kind of looking at not having money in a, in a more fond, positive light, <laughs> which, which, which just reading the lyrics doesn't seem fond and positive, but the boogie-woogie piano yeah, kind of gives you the, Supports the, that, yeah. the, that kind of a, a thing. Um, you want to tell us what some of those words are? What jobber means? <laughs> jobber got the sack, and then yellow lorry slow, nowhere to go. Well, yellow lorry, lorry's a taxi, right? And, and, or a and truck of some sort. A yeah. Truck of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny jobbers got the sack's probably a job, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm mm-hmm. guessing on jobber. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't find much on jobber. <laughs> Yes. I, I typed in jobber and I got all kinds of results. I do. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so a jobber. Yes. Uh, we have a definition. A Britishism here. Uh, any jobber gets sacked. Taking different daytime jobs, which never give them peace of mind. So just somebody who's going from job to job, trying to survive. It's funny if you think back to young, younger days when you might have had a job or two that were like that. They're always thought of a little bit fonder. Yeah. Like like thinking about the past like that, even if it's like, yeah, hey, I've never made any money. Or I was I a remember janitor. When I had that yeah. crummy job working at the uh, movie theater. Right. That's that's the one I had. You know. It's, so. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I think I think that's definitely one interpretation of it is. Uh, yeah. Um, here here's a uh, uh, quote from Ian McDonald's uh, book Revolution in the Head. It says, the Beatles' future may be gone, but McCartney is determined to salvage their spirit Mm. and that of the 60s for his future. You never give me your money marks the psychological opening of his solo career. And that leads me to the third section, which is one sweet dream, pick up the bags, get in the limousine, soon we'll be away from here. One of the interpretations is that the section was written uh, while... McCartney was in New York with his wife Linda and referred to their fondness for getting out of out of there and going to the countryside, which would very soon happen in a permanent way where he would leave for the countryside and say, I'm done with all of this mm-hmm. Beatles garbage. I'm I'm done with it and and go off and stay in the country and eventually write McCartney. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one interpretation of it. I think there's yeah. other interpretations of this section. Yeah, from Walt Everett's book, uh, The Beatles as Musicians, he says, uh, the trans- oh, let's see, he says, one sweet dream, pick up the bags, get in the limousine, which has been heard as a suggestion of the sweeping rush of early fame. 
So again, McCartney reliving his past, sort of a nostalgic look again here. So look, especially because the song is about the end of, you know, some of the bad things that have happened. Uh, looking back at the good days of one sweet dream, you know, they're going to be famous someday and playing gigs. So I don't know. You could read it a couple different ways, I'm sure. And do you have any uh, interpretation, or do you believe uh, anything? I kind of like. I kind of uh, uh, really liked that interpretation of maybe it was him being like talking about. I just want to get out of here. I just want to like go go to the country. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and maybe I just want to get out of this band. You know. Yeah, it mean, could be. It probably subconsciously he's already thinking like, you know. Oh, it's a sweet dream that this would be over with, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but then, how do you explain one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? All good children go to heaven. Um, that's a. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, like a nursery rhymey type thing. Yeah. Uh, why it's t uh, here, I don't know. Um, yeah. This the section at the end here reminds me of uh, end of here comes the sun. It has the same kind of sound. Those arpeggios and the guitar work there, linking back to that earlier song, too. Uh, and there might be some other connection, again, linking... Yeah. Well, the together. early takes of this don't have the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Right. It sort of ends abruptly before that with the idea, well, we're going to link it somehow. Mm -hmm. So possibly this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven thing could be a, a, a just a tacked on kind of tacked on kind of thing that that helps start the link which continues with a little bit of one thing you didn't mention in your musical analysis is there's sort of a tape loop that ends with this which is a lot of chimes and some mm -hmm. animal noises mm -hmm. that eventually leads into the beginning of Sun King yeah. So to get from this to there, they had to had to put some stuff in there. Right. And maybe this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven is just yeah. taking some us, link. drifting us off. Maybe yeah. it is drifting us away from the yeah. from the troubles. Like, let's let's drift off and just and then meet the Sun King. Yeah. Who's next? Yeah, could be. I don't know. Or yeah. another interpretation might be them counting money. What do you yeah, think? that could be true. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Yeah, everybody's got their own take on this. So yeah, yeah. I'd be interested, uh, particularly in our listeners, what you've heard or what your <laughs> interpretation is of that last section of the song. Yeah, yeah um, or any of these sections of this song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much the the lyrical. Uh, summary of what's what it's about do you see any lyrical connections to the rest of the medley at all or like any sort of relation i don't think the rest Not of really. it's really I, yeah. I, I, I there's something in one of these where uh linen uh said well we just had a bunch of stuff that really doesn't fit together yeah. except we made it fit together and it sounds really good together yeah so well, Mr. Mustard kept a 10 bob note up his nose so uh, i don't know there's a money <laughs> reference yeah. i don't know <laughs> Maybe she here. came in through the bathroom window because she didn't. Know, she, she was, was broke to, or something. She was yeah. trying to escape Alec Clyde, <laughs> and so she came in. Through the Could be. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Looking for a steady job. Uh, yeah. Any job or got the sack? I don't know. Yeah. We're stretching here, but yeah. I don't. I don't yeah. see any. I, I was sort of taken aback when you asked me that because I don't really yeah. see I don't too know. much connection between the whole piece. Yeah. I don't think it 
downgrades the piece at all for it not to be that you never give me your money is a little bit underrated I would say uh, in Beatles lore it, it, when I was looking to see and we'll we'll talk here in a second about the covers of this song not not a song that's covered a lot not a song that was played a lot live played on one tour by Paul McCartney the Driving Rain tour yeah. I'm sure you all saw him there and yeah. and <laughs> Gonna go dig that up. Uh, the video we found on YouTube of him playing it, he just sort of didn't even know the lyrics to it. Well, yeah, it was like his shtick again. Uh, he didn't, yeah, like saying he forgot the lyrics and he's not gonna learn them before the end of the tour and yeah. goofing around. It was only, it was like just him on this very tinny piano yeah. playing it by himself, so... Kind I don't of, know. Kind of strange. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Uh, there's, it's never mentioned in the top 100 Beatles songs lists. It's never, it's not, if you name, I say name me songs off Abbey Road, that one's not going to come up in the first five or six that you tell yeah. me. I just think it's a, a really underrated uh, song, personally. I, I feel that way. You know, maybe part of that is that it's part of the medley mm-hmm. and that it's not a stand alone song quote unquote but I think it could be I think if you took it off this album and you put it on another album and you fade it at, at, at the one two three four five <laughs> six seven you'd be like oh that was a pretty good song but it's a it's an odd song to be a standalone song for the reasons you were talking about that it ends, ends in a different key yeah, I would I would say it doesn't stand alone very well for the fact of how it fits in musically to the medley. It seems to be dependent on the rest of it, or it sets up what happens next. And so, to me, it sounds a little weird. Also, the fact that it's, it's several snippets of pieces put together doesn't make it a very cohesive song with the three different stylistic sections in a very short time. It's only a few minutes, so uh, to me, it, it personally doesn't doesn't stand as a as a you know it's not closed tonally what we say it starts in C major ends in uh, A major and it just seems to leave a lot of opening for what happens next. I feel like if when I and particularly it'll come up when you put it on you put it on shuffle, yeah. right? It's say you put all your iTunes on shuffle. This song will come up and play and then go to something else and I I'm not bothered. I'm like, oh, I really like. No. I'm really liked. You never give me money. Yeah. So I think it's only because we associate it so strongly sure. with the rest of it that a, it's underrated song. B, people don't think of it as a standalone song. Yeah. And and the rest of it, the musical reasons you say are valid, but I, I think I think if it was if if for some reason they it was maybe they would have done something different with the ending of it. Obviously, they maybe yeah. would have. Yeah. Well, and the fact that it's the first song of the medley shows it has a lot of importance to the medley. Uh, yeah. The fact that it has a lot of the material that will come back yeah. shows that it really it's the it's the head of the body and needs to continue out to get to the bottom. So uh, we're gonna play a couple more cover versions, and then we'll play the song to to go out, and we'll give you the whole thing. Um, so. Here's a few people who have done cover versions of it. Sarah Vaughn, the jazz legend. Known as Sassy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. And she plays a real sassy version. Oh, of yeah. On her album of Beatles uh, covers. 
What do you think of Tenacious D, the comedy rock group? Yeah, that's a stretch. I don't know. Kind of a Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Kyle Gass, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny the first time I saw it, not funny the hundredth <laughs> time. Uh, British Curiosity, Paloma Faith, the very odd singer Paloma Faith, mm-hmm. did a cover version of it. Real ragtag bunch of people on this one. Yeah, uh, Vince Giraldi, of mm-hmm. we've we've talked about on this show before of Charlie Brown fame. Charlie Brown fame. Uh, but here's a couple of uh, the uh, better ones I heard. Here's a we'll play a, a not too long of this one. This is a Booker T and the MGs. out on the organ. I like that. That's a pretty, pretty great version there. Yeah. Pretty cool version. Now, we've, this is almost a friend of the show. We brought it up a few times here. Uh, all this in World War II, mm-hmm. the flop of a movie, which used a lot of Beatles songs. Will Malone and Lou Reisner, they're both producers. They co-produced and co-wrote and sang on the... And we're going to play a lot of this one, because it does something really weird in the middle. <laughs> um, here's You Never Give Me Your Money from the soundtrack to All This and World War II. I think somebody called up Peter Frampton and borrowed his uh, vocoder from Do You Feel Like We Do and a couple other songs. Yeah, that was 
Pretty uh, raspy vocal there from the lead singer. Yeah, it has not been covered that much. Uh, not Definitely not as much as some of the other songs in the medley. I'm not sure why. Well, it's hard. It's got the different sections, too. It's not, yeah. not musically uh, homogeneous, so that's that may be part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, Great song though, I think yeah. uh, one of my one of my favorite underrated songs. I always put it on my most underrated Beatles songs list. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it. I learned I learned a lot from Dave here. Yeah, yeah. Took my class, wins my test. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's always. I should fun have been to... taking notes. I, I know. Sorry. You're gonna fail a quiz uh, yeah. here. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun to talk about these songs in a little bit more detailed way than we normally can in a regular album review where we've got 14, 15 songs to get to. So, uh, yeah, this is the first, as we said, of an occasional series. Well, whenever we find a song or get a suggestion for a song that really strikes us, we'll dig into it some more and give you some uh, hopefully helpful and new information uh, and make you think about the song in a different way. Yeah. So be yeah. thinking about all those things. Be thinking about what do the lyrics mean. <laughs> be thinking about all this musical analysis as we play the whole song for you to uh, leave the episode. And thanks for listening.
Oh, good to go to heaven.